Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Want to let you know that to tomorrow is a big day on the show. We've got a, a big announcement for you that we are looking forward to at uh, the top of the program. So I uh, want you to make sure you bookmark that just in case you were thinking of not tuning in tomorrow. And I know that's a lot of you. Uh, frankly, we operate on a on a, a show by show basis here, and and really everybody should. Uh, no one should take for granted that you'll be back. And on a show by show basis, we should have to earn your return. Uh, so if you decide that today's show is worthy of your return tomorrow, uh, we've got an announcement we think you're going to like quite a bit coming up at the top of the show tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Also, our friends at Constitution Wealth are the Patriots' choice in wealth management. If you are one of those discriminating shoppers that attempts to avoid, whenever possible, doing business with people who hate you, uh, Maybe apply the exact same thing to your retirement, your investments, your portfolio. Uh, you can put your money to work in the culture war as well with our friends at Constitution Wealth. Uh, they can help you build a solid investment plan that uh, reduces your investments in things like ESG, DEI, and other demonic doctrines such as those. Uh, and you can also reduce your investments in woke corporations. And by doing so, help to fight the battle with your maybe your most powerful weapon, your money and your voice. So take advantage of the opportunity to build the parallel economy today by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots just like you. Work with an advisor at constitutionwealth.com. Go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Sign up for a free consultation today at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. That's constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. All right, coming up here at uh, the bottom of the hour, we're going to play our weekly game of idolatry or not. But we are going to play this one a little bit differently than we have so far. We're going to take a look at a policy and ask, is it still relevant? Is it still worth it? Is the juice still worth the, screw, the squeeze? Or is this a form of idolatry, holding on to it? It represents another time, another era. And there really aren't any good reasons for why we would still tether ourselves to such a thing and to continue to do something uh, that, that isn't worth it, given the stakes, is, the, is a very example of idolatry. Or is it the other way around? That this is still a prudent course of action. We'll get into that next segment. Top of next hour. <coughs> Pardon me. Top of next hour, Pastor Jack Hibbs will join us to talk about his new book. And then for Pop Culture Tuesday, where we look at the intersection between pop culture and, and what's trending in conservatism. We have gone from the, uh, the backlash against the backlash on the right against the Travis Kelsey uh, Taylor Swift romance to now we have on the right a backlash to the backlash. Have you guys seen this? Yep. That this is going to cause us to lose people again. We're just unnecessarily putting ourselves out of the mainstream. It's pointless. Why do we pick fights that just don't matter? This is again where, you know, clickbait and engagement bait 
as gets in the way of us being successful. We'll have that conversation for Pop Culture Tuesday coming up in the final segment of the program. But let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Checking Boxes. We're learning more about the shooter in the Lakewood Church case. We just learned yesterday morning that the shooter possibly identified as some member of trans. Some are reporting a man pretending to be a woman. Others are reporting a woman to be a man. There's still some confusion over all of that. But she did go, or he went by the name Jeffrey in recent years. We also learned that Janice Yvonne Moreno, that's the name of the shooter, was born in El Salvador before arriving in the United States many years ago and was detained by Immigration and Customs Enforcement at one point, lending one to believe she was likely in the country illegally. Moreno was armed with an AR-15 that had a sticker that said Palestine on it when she shot her seven-year-old son in the head at Lakewood Church on Sunday. Here's Houston police with more of her backstory. There was a familial dispute that has taken place between uh, her ex-husband and her ex-husband's family, and some of those individuals are of uh, are Jewish. So we believe that that is might might possibly be where all of this stems from. Please pray for that little seven-year-old boy who's fighting for his life. Moving on, the He Gets Us thing is starting to unravel. David Green of Hobby Lobby is one of the main guys bankrolling this effort. And thanks to an investigation by Smash Bales and others on X, we now know the media strategy supervisor for the ad agency who created the ad has pronouns in her bio and has a, quote, fierce passion for all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. Ken Caldwell, who runs the organization called Come Near, which runs He Gets Us, also has pronouns in his bio on social media as well. That explains a few things. The Super Bowl was the most watched event in American television history, with over 123 million people tuning in. In politics, Donald Trump has endorsed North Carolina GOP chair Michael Watley to replace runner Romney McDaniel as head of the RNC prior to his stint atop the North Carolina GOP. Watley had served as a federal law clerk, senior official in the George W. Bush administration, and as the chief of staff for U.S. Senator Elizabeth Dole. Also has a master's degree in theology from Notre Dame. The U.S. Senate last night passed a standalone $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, despite an effort from Senator Rand Paul to filibuster. House Speaker Johnson says the bill is dead when it comes to the House. In Iowa, esteemed members of the Rainbow Cloth attempted an insurrection at the state's capitol yesterday, all because of a hearing over a bill that defines and codifies into law basic facts about biology. At the hearing itself, both Steve and Todd testified in favor of the bill. What we're being asked to do is ignore reality, to redefine reality. We are not permitted to redefine reality. The worst mistakes made in human history occur when we attempt to. Every single atrocity had its basis in, we get to redefine reality. There is as much basis of fact in what you're being asked to oppose as there would be for wearing a mask to stop an airborne contagion of a respiratory virus, which is to say none. And that is why there needs to be intimidation and there needs to be shouting and there can't be facts and there can't be reason and there can't be science because there is none to support the opposition to what you are doing. All you are doing is affirming the most and first basic fact of human existence. We are all created, either male or female, that's it, period, end of sentence. Here's a fun fact. Recently, 
Colorado spring shooter, non-binary, Na Nashville school shooter, trans, Aberdeen shooter, trans, Denver school shooter, trans, Iowa school shooter, trans, Lakewood church shooter, trans, yet here they still are. They will not pump the brakes. Think about my daughter and the 50 girls who came down there and put it on the line. Think of them, continue what they started, because whether they go silently or not, we're not the East Coast. They need to go. Thank and finally, all we have left is gallows humor. What's the song that is played where everybody is on the chair, everybody at the, you know, uh, go, going to uh, the, uh, you know, my mind's going blank now. What's happening? What, what, I can't remember. I'm going to lose track. My mind's going blank now. What are you talking about? What the hell's going on here? Where the hell are you? My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I heading? I keep forgetting I'm present. Where am I? No idea. Last night on the, the television, uh, uh, television, I was on a telephone. I'm rapidly rising uh, uh, and with, uh, with uh, I don't know. COVID has taken more than 100 years. is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was inflicted in the free to seize building cotton gains of Putin's kleptocracy. NATO's purpose is defend against aggression. Let me make let me make them let that near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to anyway. I'm my mind's going blank now. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage, could that be the next bed intruder, do you think? Why not? Why not? Could it be the bed intruder of 2024? Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Let me share something with you. I tweeted this out. Let me go find this again in real time. Our, my colleague Pat Gray tweeted this out this morning. Uh, it's a graphic on inflation. Here it is. All right. From January 2021 to January 2024. All right. Ready? Overall, inflation is up 17.6%. Food is up 33.7%. Energy is up 32.8%. Uh, electricity is up 27.1%. And shelter is up 18.7%. So uh, go to uh, preparewithdace.com. That's my ad. Uh, go to preparewithdace.com. Uh, get your four-week emergency food kit from... My Patriot Supply with 16 food and drink varieties uh, to mix and match stays good for up to 25 years with the proper storage. 2,000 plus calories per day, including uh, all three meals and snacks and drinks. So you will have the nutrition you need for when we let's go, Brandon, even harder. Uh, get the four week food kit for $60 off and free shipping. The four week food kit for $60 off and free shipping at preparewithdace.com. That is preparewithdace.com. I'm, I'm just going to say this up front. And from, from, for the most part, I'm not, I'm just going to refer to this. The date's February 13th. Okay. Um, I have no position on whom Donald Trump wants to put in charge of the RNC. I'm not interested in vetting them. I'm not interested in any level. I'm not here to play accountability or referee primaries over. Um, there's not a market for that. You're not interested in that. I'm under no obligation to beat my head against a wall. I don't care how many members of his family. I, I don't care about any of it. I don't. They won. They won fair and square. Uh, they own it. 
and you want them to, and I respect the will of the people. So good luck to them. And, you know, we certainly can't afford any more of the inflation numbers that I just recited, courtesy of our colleague, Pat Gray, correct? Yes. So I wish him Godspeed. Uh, not my job to unify people or anything of that nature. That's, you know, you win. Like the, with, the, with the Kansas City Chiefs call the San Francisco 49ers and say, hey, you guys need to plan out our uh, victory parade for the Super Bowl. Whose responsibility is that, Aaron? Uh, that the, would be the Chiefs. Yeah, because they won the Super Bowl, right? So yeah. you won. You're in control. You own it. It's your party. People want it to be your party. I respect that. I, you know, you kick my ass in my own state. 14% of people showed up. My guy got 23% of the vo- of a vote that barely occurred. So clearly they want what, what the Trumps are offering. So good luck to them. If you email me with a take, uh, want me to, you're asking me of one. I don't have one. I won't have one. Not my thing. And uh, as the con- campaign goes on, if, if I see that there are decisions made that alter the trajectory of the campaign, well, then that would be newsworthy, right? Yes. Okay. And we'll analyze it as news. But in terms of, you know, uh, holding feet to the fire and accountability, I'm not, I'm out of that business. I've, I did that tour of duty with uh, the, with the Trump years and I'm good, man. I'm, I'm not reenlisting in that. Maybe another uh, guard regimen can be called in and uh, they can do that. But uh, I've got other fights and other uh, uh, rows and fields I want to get. I want to plow that I think uh, the Lord is calling me to, and that is no longer one of them. So you guys wanted the Trump era. You got it. Go get him. That's our position here. Fair? Fair. Fair. So I wish Michael Watley well. Okay. Probably can't be worse. Um, Let's get to things I actually do want to talk about. What we saw yesterday in Iowa and it was interesting to go in there without any prepared remarks. And then for me just to look everybody in the eye as I spoke. And and we were all three there. So I think the audience might be interested, just the things that we saw that stood out to us. Okay. I'll say that, and and this is why I, I didn't intend going in there to bring up anything COVID related or mask related. Here's why I did that. The, the first thing that struck me is that that was the most mask wearing I have seen in Iowa in in at least in, in, in probably three years. And there was a direct you, you couldn't you couldn't Venn diagram this. It's just a it's a direct correlation. It's an overlap. Everybody wearing a mask. Everybody, everybody there wear, still wearing a mask. Understand, guys, it, it, is, it has been the warmest, since we had that record cold around caucus time, it has been the warmest continuous winter weather in Iowa we've, that I can ever remember we've had. I mean, it's spring here. For like, I mean, there's no snow on the ground. I mean, I heard birds chirping on Saturday walking around. Normally this time of year in Iowa, all you see are crows. <laughs> okay. Um... It goes to show that all along the mask was exactly what we were saying it was. It was a totem. It was a, it was a sign of belonging. It was putting in, it was not any different than putting an idol to pan in your home in ancient times or to Chemosh or to, to Malek, um, you know, to Jupiter, to Zeus. That, that's what it was meant to do. 
and and, and the, because the fact that people, many of the people that were there arguing for this insanity are still embracing the non-reality of where masks do anything to protect you at all just goes to show it was it was a uniform it was a it was a way it was like it, it was a way to say i am down with the spirit of the age and it was never about science and it didn't matter if they worked it's a sense of belonging and what that what that shows you in our culture is that this culture has been failed by the two most important institutions in any culture, in any culture, in God's created order, the church and dads, the church and dads, because that that's where your sense of belonging and identity is supposed to come from. In an earthly sense, my, my father is supposed to provide that. He is supposed to provide that North Star. Who's, who's, who made me? Who impregnated my mom? Did they love me? Did, was, there, was there an intention? Did they want to make me? Did they want to conceive me? Or maybe if they were surprised, did they embrace that surprise though? That, that connection, that sense of belonging. Everybody there on the other side was desperate to fill that void. You know what you did not see a lot of? There were a few, but you know what I didn't see a lot of on the other, on the other side's representation? Men. Didn't see a lot of that. Fathers as an fatherhood as it fathers as an institution have failed this country. Now, looking at what some of you continue to, there are some of you that are still sending me emails about the boomer stuff. And I write you back, I'm like, did I say your name sucked and failed America? No, then why do you care? Are you a dad? Yes. Aaron, are you a dad? Yeah. Are you deeply and personally offended that I just said fathers as an institution failed America? Nope. No, because did I say Aaron as a father, you failed America? No. Todd, did I say you as a father, you failed the country? No, the funny thing is when you talk about this, I'm emboldened because I've busted my tail to not be that dad who failed America. Yeah, if you're, if you're still trying to defend your generational identity, you're an idolater and I, someone needs to tell you that. And, and, that, and the job of who's to tell you that, by the way, is your dad. Your dad's supposed to be the first pastor you know, the pastor of your home. So maybe you don't have a dad that'll tell you that. I will. You're an idolater. If you're this level of butt hurt over your generational designation, you are an idolater. And yes, I may lose you as a listener, and it's okay, because um, Elon Musk's uh, uh, AI says we are the number one Christian show in America. So apparently we can just afford to lose all kinds of people. We've got them coming in in droves, I guess. Suddenly my coattails say I'm big on AI. I and I mean, I, apparently my effort to buy off Elon Musk paid off, which, you know. Let me just tell you, that's not easy to do, by the way. <laughs> What's it going to take? Um, but, but fathers as an institution have failed the country. Your, your dad is there to tell you no. To tell you no, that not, you suck. That's terrible. Don't do that. Don't disrespect people like that. And I'll punish you if you do. That was a great job. That time you rose to the occasion, man. 
you bucked up, dinner's on me. Where you want to go? That's dad's job. We don't have a lot of dads. And you could see that looking at that room. That lack of connection, that lack of identity, that lack of heritage, legacy. And then you have the church who's to provide that on an eternal level to introduce you to your heavenly father. In fact, I, I saw several people wearing the garb of the clergy that were there to affirm them, as a matter of fact, where yep. they were. I saw that. All women, of course, all female clergy doing so. And the thing about the church in this country is it can't say that it got overrun by Islamic hordes like the Christians in Cappadocia could. They lived in the caves for as long as they could. They hid there as long as they could in those catacombs. And then eventually the Muslims made their way down there and slaughtered them all. It can't, it can't say, yeah, same thing happened to the Christian enclaves of Asia Minor, those churches that Jesus sends those seven letters to through the Apostle John in modern-day Turkey, many of them just slaughtered by the Islamic hordes. Can't say that it lost some grand fight on a big stage in the arena of ideas where it just didn't have the answers that people needed that they were really yearning for and hoping for. It can't say that. The church in America just quit. It just quit, man. Just on his own. Just went home and just said, that's too hard. We're going to dip. 5,000 G pour went out. Just went doughboy. Just poured one out, walked away. And the rest of us are like, uh, you can do that? Now, it, it walked away from its prophetic role, and here's what it did instead. Took out $100 million loans, built massive multi-campus site facilities, because apparently you're just such a special preacher. You're just so good at this that, like, you couldn't like find someone in a community and plant a church that could actually be anointed to preach the word of God and therefore have authority and integrity and respect with the people there that, that you've got to beam yourself in via satellite. You're just that uniquely gifted. No one else could do this. They did that. Peddled wares. became mascots for political parties. It did that instead. And for a while, man, for a while, it looked like it was going to work out great. Smiling Joel got his own channel on Sirius XM. He's being feted by Oprah, T.D. Jakes, too, another Oprah fave. For a while, it looked like it was going to work out. Just like for a while for the Israelites, it looked like worshiping Molech was going to work out. And then Uncle Bingo, one day the check comes due and a guy named Nebuchadnezzar is outside your city gate. And in no time, you're going to be drinking your own urine and eating your own poop while your city is under siege. It's no longer working out. God will not be mocked. We will always reap what we sow. The laws of sowing and reaping are undefeated. And so in exchange for abandoning everybody in that, in the, everybody in that rotunda yesterday, as an institution, the church just abandoned all those people, all those, all those kids, 
All those young people, all those Gen Zers, just totally lost. Lost to the point, no dad, no church, deforming themselves. We've gone from Joseph's amazing Technicolor uh, coat to your amazing Technicolored hair. Just longing for identity, desperate for connection. Ah! We've got pottery barns to build. We've got he gets us ads to fund. And then one day, seemed like it was working out, didn't it? Seemed like it was working out. Joel sold a lot of books. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seemed like it was working out until the day that it didn't. And the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar walks to the front door of Lakewood Church with an AR-15 and intends to empty a payload and do a massacre. And we've touched on every... Every arm of that, every every vestige of the spirit of the age that the church in America has tried to bend the knee to open borders. That's compassion or something. It is. It's it, it, for for the Yosteens of the world who live in gated communities. It's compassion for you to open up your borders to let your towns be overrun. They lock their doors with private security, of course. Or for the Pope. Loves to preach about open borders and how terrible immigration reform is. I believe he's got his own private army there, right? Doesn't he? Big walls, yeah. too. Yeah, big walls, too. Yeah, funny how that works. Yeah. The Rainbow Jihad. Do I even have to recant or do I have to even go down that trail of tears? But you left all the hurting people aside. You didn't give them the gospel. And well, now they're pissed and they should be. That was my big takeaway from yesterday. Gentlemen, what were yours? Well, as much as these uh, people are painted as victims, again, this was a public hearing that was not automatically on the docket. It, it had to be asked for, and it was asked for by them, by the Iowa Democrats, knowing what was going to show up. This is really important because in, in light of that, he gets us how they are painted as the marginalized. That mob showed up, and for more than an hour straight, and, and these gentlemen are here, this is not an embellishment, for more than an hour straight, they yelled and they screamed chants, most of which had various uses of the F-bottom in them. They're not quiet huddled masses yearning to breathe three they are a mob like i said you know all that tolerance and diversity out there in uh, one of the other things i said in my speech uh we we need to stop putting it under that heading i said those are domestic terrorists and they are so uh, it, while my uh, speech and Steve's speech was important, uh, Aaron's videos were uh, perhaps the most important thing that happened because a lot of people were picking up on them. They were going viral. And you need to see who these people are. Everything Steve said right now, it, it was vital. They are. Uh, they have been failed uh, by the church. And when and if they are open to hearing the gospel, we need to be there to give that to them. But in lieu of that, these are wicked people who are seeking and promising to destroy all that is in their path. 
They're locusts, quite frankly. And if they will not seek repentance, they are a level of wickedness that we need to be very honest about how we need to deal with. And the probably most, I've made this point several times, but I saw it with my own eyes uh, yesterday, is the, the most insidious evil there were the normies or normal looking people. It wasn't the people in the masks who looked like they had deformed their bodies, who looked as if they were just in, indwelt with a spirit that is the opposite of holy. It, were the, it, it was the normal people. There were multiple people who were older, maybe boomers. <clears throat> There's one woman I saw and I watched her for minutes on end. The first chant that they did was, F-bomb your legislation trans liberation over and over again. She wouldn't say the F-bomb part, but she would say the trans liberation part. She is, she looked like she could have been any of those individuals' grandmother. She is what I talk about when I say I, I don't really have, certainly not for the younger people who are caught up in this, I don't have any animosity in my heart towards nope, them. neither do I. It's the people who probably know better. Yep. Who are standing there golf, uh, golf clapping. Who can't, can't cross the line of morality by chanting F-bombs in the Capitol Rotunda, but trans liberation, bodily mutilation, yeah. We'll chant for that. That's a level of cognitive dissonance that is not possible by human propaganda. That is straight from the pit of hell, and it has to be defeated. Amen. We'll come back. Has this policy outlived its usefulness and become an idol, or is it still relevant? We'll get into that next. If you're looking for a more sane way of life, Ridge Runner Land in Appalachia is ready for you. There's no better time than today to move your family out of a blue state or a blue city uh, where crime, cost of living, hostility toward any morals whatsoever, belief in God is becoming more unhinged every day. What I see Ron DeSantis say this morning, if you just want to know what to do on crime, just look at what New York and California do and do the exact opposite. That's pretty Legit right there. Uh, Ridge Runner picks pristine land in rural Appalachia with top-notch natural beauty, value, and location. You can move to a Ridge Runner community and be sur surrounded by patriotic, ambitious Americans that have chosen to live in a setting where their children can run free, the doors don't need to be locked, and natural beauty is abundant. If you have that pioneer spirit, you're ready to join Appalachia's rising future as you build yours. Schedule a call today to learn more about Ridge Runner properties, whether you work from home or you you hunt, fish, homestead, you're just looking to run livestock, or you just want to be in a community where your way of life is prized, Ridge Runner is ready to help you find the ideal property. Small acre lots starting at just thirty-five grand to large 100-acre holler farms, well-priced and under $400,000. Ridge Runner has options for anyone seeking a life piloted in some old ways in the bosom of America's heartland. Just visit RidgeRunnerUSA.com today. Ridge, R-I-D-G-E. RidgeRunnerUSA.com today. That's RidgeRunnerUSA.com today. All right, let's get to idolatry or not. 
And we've never done this before, I don't think, with a policy. But, but I want to make sure we are holding ourselves to the same generational standard that we are holding others. We have pointed out with the generation ahead of us, Todd, the boomers, that there are certain paradigms that their generation still embraces that have clearly outlived their usefulness. And there's really no reason to hold on to them other than some mixture of nostalgia to generational idolatry, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I want to make sure that we're not going to make the same mistakes. I've always told our kids, don't make the same mistakes as your mom and I. Pay attention to the mistakes when you grew up in our home. Pay attention to the mistakes you watched us make. And then go make all new mistakes. (laughs) Because you're going to make mistakes. Just don't repeat ours. Make new ones. Right? Much was made this week over former President Trump saying he'll let Russia basically have whatever it wants if NATO doesn't pay its fair share. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization that comes out of the Cold War. And it it basically is an alliance of formerly Western Judeo-Christian democracies that are still Western, not very Judeo-Christian and are pseudo-democracies in many places now, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, a lot of them are, I mean, they have a democratic process, but a lot of it is controlled by elites in the corporate and academic sector. Um, Democratic socialism. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Where people are, are, you know, we've reached the stage, I can't remember the famous philosopher observation that democracies tend to fail once people realize they can vote themselves Mm -hmm. other people's money, right? And many of these Western democracies, in fact, I... I would view all of them with the exception of the Eastern Bloc countries that are still a generation away from remembering that scam. But many of the traditional Western ones are completely given over to it. And we just lived through this during COVID. Uh, How much did you feel like you had in common with England during COVID? I mean, this this was the greatest threat to our way of life. The West collectively in in our generation's lifetime Mm -hmm. i mean since the end of the cold war there has not been a more existential threat to the ending of our way of life than the policies that came out of covid fair is that a fair observation okay so during during the cold war when we were growing up you felt solidarity with the west german people they were faced against the wall right Yes. They, were, they, were, they were the tip of the sphere. You felt solidarity with them. There was yes. a language barrier, but you felt some solidarity with a common bond there, right? And you did, again, you, you and I, as children uh, of the 80s, you know, we are between, what, 8 and 18 mm-hmm. during that decade, mm-hmm. at least that I was. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as, as chil- children and young adults, that was already very, very conscious. The domino theory of, of how Marxism sought to advance proved itself to be true and there needed to be a stopgap, and that was western europe as a way to yes and so the the feel as if we were evenly yoked there that that was a just if if you had the family todd if you had loved ones I'll, i'm going to bring you in in a minute aaron okay if you had loved ones though let's say let's say they cross the wall the East German Marxists crossed the wall. And if you had loved ones that were in, in the U.S. military at the time, they were enlisted and you were being told that they were being shipped out to Germany because of what the East German Marxists just did by crossing over the wall and invading West Berlin, 
would you have felt like that was an unworthy fight? No. Would would you have would you have felt like I'm I'm proud of them? That's a noble cause. Yes. Okay. If you have loved ones and you're being told that um they're now going to go and defend Norway against Putin. Would you have that same No. Why? Why do you think that is? Because you love Putin, you think he's a great person, well, and no, he's just he's just no, largely misunderstood, is, and you wish he was our leader instead. It ha- it has to do with the why on our end. What are our uh, 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 the, the West, the cause, whoever in Europe? What what are their fundamentals? As I said, um, the, I've called the Ukraine the reverse Wakanda. Mm-hmm. We, this is a deep yeah, what, what pit. We don't know what was, the hell is going right, on there. Where, right. as it was pretty darn clear what was going that, on. That war is about 19- to hit its three-year anniversary, and you have, you you've seen more of the war in Gaza than you have seen, which just began in November. Mm-hmm. You you've seen more of that war than what you have seen out of Ukraine in three years. Despite the fact last night they told us this was the most important event, a vote that senators will ever take. They when it comes to defending Ukraine's voters, man, they will work until overnight to get that done when it comes to defending our vote our borders they they can't even be bothered right right okay how much do you think you have in common with the government of norway me personally yeah just uh, your worldview uh, hardly anything at all how much do you think the the worldview that founded america inspired by western civilization has in common with norway hardly anything at all how much do you think it has in common with putin and russia I don't know. Well, it, I, that's the thing. It, it depending on sources, it, it's possible it's a wash or could slightly be more, which is not a good reflection on Norway and all the other countries you could rattle off. I meaning that uh, Putin is Putin is willing to do everything to his people and worse that the Western socialist democracies are, but at least he's saving them from the rainbow jihad, that kind of, that kind of, yeah. yeah, the math math isn't great, but it's because your math sucks one way. It's nebulous. I don't know. It's a big country, but yes, that's all in there. Okay. See, this is why my argument is, if if anything, I would say, um, given, you know, the, the temperament of Trump's comments, we're having actually the wrong analysis or the wrong debate. The debate actually ought to go even further than the former president did. The debate should go, what is the purpose of NATO existing at all in its current form? I, I, I have no interest in either my son or son-in-law. My son-in-law, who's in the, uh, who's in the uh, National Guard as we speak, may get deployed next year to the Middle East. That's much more in our vital interests. I have no interest whatsoever, none. I mean, if my son-in-law came home and said, they're going to deploy me to the, uh, to the Baltic to use our unit as a cudgel against Putin, I'd, I'd ask him, how soon can you get out? I, I just don't care. I have, I, I have no interest whatsoever. Uh, I, I, have, I don't have any worldview in common, really. The only thing I have in common with any of the players from a worldview perspective in, in, in whatever pissing match is going on between Russia and the World Economic Forum is, is I'm white and so are they. That, that, that's the only thing I have in common. We're white. I have nothing, I have no other worldview in common. So then, so then why would I sign my country up for a multilateral war using a paradigm that's from another generation 
against an enemy that doesn't exist in this generation. And frankly, I've got more problems <laughs> with my own country and my own government of an existential nature than anything Putin could do to me, as much as I can't stand Vladimir Putin. Help me explain or help me understand why even continuing NATO at all really isn't at the very least obsolete. The best thing I could say about it is it's a it's a great grift for defense contractors. Otherwise, this is a form of generational idolatry. It, it, there's no it, 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 there's, it's a pointless exercise. Why, why? I don't think there's any value in any of your sons dying. For Denmark, I don't. I wouldn't have said that a generation ago because it was different a generation ago. I have virtually nothing in common with them. If you hold, if you believe in the original founding vision of this country, I mean, hell, if you, someone, someone tweeted out to me, Steve, when you were 25 years old, did you think you'd go to the state legislature one day and tell them that there's only two genders? No, and, I, and 25, man, I was a total pagan. Would have never guessed in a million years. What do we have in common with any of these people? Any of them. Putin, Soros, Schwab, any of them. Any, any of these countries, no. what does my worldview have in common with any of them? Your, Nothing. To your point, the same can be said about uh, Connecticut and California. I at agree. This point. That's why my current position is you don't get my son in one of your uniforms with a weapon unless it's a literal Red Dawn scenario. Somebody of another country lands in my backyard and starts opening fire. All right. If that happens, man, we're, we're chanting Wolverines and here and, and, and we'll give you the fight you want. Short of that. No, you can't have them. And I don't think they should have any of your sons either. And sure as hell, not your daughters. For what? What do we have in common with any of these people? What is the common thread? How does your life change? I'm sure Vladimir Putin is a terrible person. Did he do anything as would he do anything as bad? To the to the to the people of England, than what Boris Johnson and 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 that government did to them, locking them down, feeding them a poison. What would be? I mean, if he conquers England, he's going to drop. He's not going to drop a nuclear bomb on it, is he? He he owns it now. He's going to take care of it. You see what I see? My point. Yeah. If if your if your if your dominionist ideology is in direct opposition to my value system, then I'm in opposition to you. Explain to me why the dominionist ideologies at play in Ukraine are in opposition to my worldview. I don't believe you can. I don't believe you can. And I say that as someone who made it through Tucker Carlson's interview for seven minutes. When it was very, when I was bored out of my mind, the only thing that mattered to me at all was Putin was clearly trying to, to big time Tucker and put him in his place. I'd have no clue what happened the rest of it, and I don't care. I don't care about the 14th century geocentric political spectrum that Putin was waxing poetic about. I don't care. I don't care. I have nothing in common with any of these people. So no, I'm not repeating all quiet on the Western front for you. I, I, my, my son's not dying for your pissing contest over rival wings of the Habsburg dynasty. Never doing that. And I, and I got to tell you, when I got into this business, I'd never guess in a million years I'd have this take. Ever. Because I, we came out of the we're America bitch 80s. But we're not America anymore. We're a country called that. But we're not a country that is worthy of 
asserting such things any longer. So no, unless somebody is a direct threat to me on a very parochial level, not interested. Aaron, your thoughts now? Because it's your generation that we've doing the fighting. Yeah, to me, NATO seems like a solution in, in search of a problem at this point. And maybe it always was. I, I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to have any way of finding that out because history is just, you know, you can't go, go back in time and, and rewrite things that happened. And in the course of that I- interview with uh, Carlson and Putin, Putin is visibly, you can see it in his body language, Uh, multiple occasions visibly stung by the West's rejection of Moscow after the fall of the Soviet Union. Wasn't it uh, Gorbachev who came and spoke in front of Congress and and kind of basically said, hey, we're we're with you now. He's stung that he was rejected. Now, that sounds like a storyline straight out of a junior high locker room or something. I'm I was rejected by the pretty girls. Now I'm, you know, doing I'm the redheaded stepchild. Let's let's pretend that that is true. You got to have some self-awareness, though, bro. You're a former KGB agent. The West was probably right to be skeptical of you. What I'm trying to say here is that kind of along the lines of the dueling dynasties thing, it could just be as simple as this is just high school playing out all over again. You're the redheaded stepchild. You're the reject. Russia probably sees itself as a bigger player than it actually is. The West probably sees Russia as a greater threat than it actually is. And they're on the out group. They're with the outskirts. We're with the in. We're the we're the girl with the curl over here in the way. It could just be as simple as that. And so going back to NATO, what is NATO? It seems to me to be a solution in search of a problem. It just so happens that the solutions and problems involved here involve nuclear weapons. Yeah. Is that good? I don't think that's good. That's probably not good. It's there needs to be some sort of, you know, like Occam's razor, Aaron's razor, Todd's razor. There needs to be some sort of razor when we're trying to talk about great geopolitical conflicts or or great intra-political conflicts. At high levels, there needs to be some sort of razor. When you're talking about complicated things like this, the most innocent, or I'm sorry, the most um, uh, common explanation is that this is just a repeat of high school drama. Is that fair? Or am I underestimating things? No. I mean, didn't... Greek and Sparta go to war over a, a woman, the face that launched a thousand ships? No. Never underestimate the fragility of the male ego, man. It is the most destructive manifestation of the sinful state of humanity that's ever been, uh, that's ever been uh, manifested on the earth. The fragile male ego is the most dangerous manifestation of human sinfulness there is. So no. Great. Let me fill up your email box steve because i i don't think this is about uh, geopolitics uh per se nato per se ultimately i think this is about boomers they this is a it started by their parents but this is another thing that they have taken on and they think they're the people they've been waiting for and they're hanging on too long 
It's like so many other things. This is a boomer thing, and thus it is idolatry of themselves. Then our generation needs to let the past die and yes. bury it. Hour two is next. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Don't forget, you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Just email the show, Steve, at SteveDace.com. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, get her Instagram and TikTok. And then finally, if you are a podcast listener, thank you so much. You're a big reason uh, and a big p- that we are continuing to be on the air. You're a huge part of our audience. Uh, please, if you've not yet done this, maybe if you already have. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if you, we can ballot, har- can we ballot harvest five-star reviews? Let's find out. Uh, maybe they'll let you put in numerous five-star reviews for the show. Now, if you don't like the show, of course, you know by now, we would we would never tell you to lie. We would ask you maybe to keep that opinion to yourself because we're trying to make a living here. Uh, if you kind of like the show, though, we would absolutely encourage your embellishment. So even if you think the show's okay, just jump right to a five-star review. And thank you very much. And thanks to all of you that have done that for the program already. And then finally, if you're a podcast listener, uh, make sure to hit subscribe or in the case of iTunes, follow. That way, every time we do a new episode, it will show up in your feed every single time. Although I will admit, not every single episode is good. Take my word for it. I'm here for every single one of them. Uh, but uh, but again, we need those numbers. All right, we got to get those numbers up anyway. So even please listen to the bad ones. And if you're new to the show and you gave it a shot once or twice and you're not sure, um, uh, we would urge you, hey, you got to kind of stick around. You know, we're usually in a quiet taste. Maybe listen for a week or two, right? Sure. Yeah. And then if after a week or two, you're like, you know what? It's just not my thing. Keep listening anyway. Thank you. Uh, the name of the book, Living in the Days of Deception, How to Discern Truth from the Culture's Lies, written by Pastor Jack Hibbs, and he joins us on the show here today. It is good to see you, my man. How are you? Oh, man, I love you. Anytime that I get to be with you, it's a good day. Well, let's see if I can do something about that. No, it's it's great to have you <laughs> with us, Jack, as always. Um, days of Deception and the spelling of days in that title, D-A-Z-E. I'm sure yeah. there's a meaning to that. Explain, please. Yeah, exactly. Steve, this came out during the COVID era. It was a It was a series of sermons I taught where I was looking around like everybody else and uh, realizing what in the, what is going on? We've got, we've got experts, we got, we got expert A talking to expert B and neither of the experts on viruses agree. They have completely different conclusions. We've got expert, uh, you know, B and, and C on this issue and how to govern and what to do about it. all of this stuff even manifested in the church, Steve, as you well know. And uh, should you open your church? Should you keep it closed? Do you do? And it was just people were walking around zombie-like. And so I did a series to expose the fallacies and the falsehoods, thus D-A-Z-E, living in the days of deception. And the beautiful people at Harvest House Publishers happened to have watched that series. And they asked, would you do a book on that theme? And to be honest with you, the the book is really 
from a series of teachings from firsthand observation of what I saw going on in the world around us. And lo and behold, the Bible addressed and addresses everything regarding deception. And it's, you know, I got to tell you, this, this book is more timely now than it was a month ago. And uh, I think I finished it about maybe six months ago. It's still more timely because the days, the deception is increasing. Hmm. Jack, how do we tell the difference? And maybe because of what you just said there at the end, there isn't one. It, it's a distinction without a difference. But is there? Is there? And if so, how can we tell the difference between something that just may be wrong, right? We're yep. not infallible beings. Something that might yep. just be wrong, but and and then something that is a deception. How do we tell the difference? So well put, Steve. Listen, I mean, just your question is an awesome challenge because uh, to take your question. Uh, as it ought to be taken, Steve, we immediately cross the line of being intolerant when we say, well, you just suggest, Steve, that there's an absolute. Mm -hmm. For us to determine what's right and wrong, oh, now, wait a minute. We are debating right and wrong because we're deceived. Well, then how can we know the truth? Well, you know what? Seriously, by, by this, there's only one way. Uh, God's word, and by the way, I'll add this because it's all in one, God's word and real science, because God is the author of his word, he's the author of science. So having said that, how can we know? Well, when somebody says, I believe that there's 72 genders, there's something wrong here, because science tells me there's not, and my Bible is in full agreement with that statement as well. So how can I determine this? Well, it kind of goes along the lines of, of suspending a plumb line. You put a fixed weight at the bottom of the line and you hold it up to see if your two by four or if the wall or the picture frame is hanging straight. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a plumb line in your life, in my life, in your life, Steve, it's the Bible. If we don't have that straight edge, then we're not going to be able to discern what's what's right or wrong. And what will happen? We will live in a days of deception, which means we will say, you, your truth is your truth, mine's mine, his is his, do whatever you want. And that is an absolute lie, and it leads to total destruction, and we're not making it up. Every culture in human history, before it's destroyed, goes through a series of detaching itself from that absolute of truth. Big picture. I have said to our audience, and, you know, give me some pastoral accountability on this if you think I'm wrong, certainly tell me. I have I've said to our audience many times in the last couple of years that, that I think the minimum stakes that we are playing for here is the end of Western civilization. That's that's the minimum stakes we're playing for. And 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 so if Western civilization were to come to an end, what would come next? Well, what exactly came before Western civilization? Today's progressives are regressives. They're trying to take us back to a pre-Western, or that's another way of saying a pre-biblical understanding of the world. And so it would become pagan. We'd go back to the Dark Ages. Uh, it would be more technocratic, right? We're not going to have rats drop, you know, rat droppings in the streets with bubonic plague like they did. All right, but it would be technocratic. You'll be given a device, that, a car that they'll be able to turn off and on, a device that'll monitor your your conduct. Everything will be approved. It'll have the accoutrements of modernity, but it'll be very much a Dark Age uh, in terms of critical thought, uh, individual agency, uh, the the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, etc. I think those are the lowest stakes we're 
playing for. And then I think the maximum stakes we're playing for is that we are living at the end of the age. I think it's, what, what is happening systemically puts us between one of those two tent poles. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I'm going to preface my answer by saying I'm not known to be one to compromise. And so when I say that, I mean this. What you just said, Steve, both are in fact in play and are true. At the minimum, we are losing our Western culture. But I believe at the same time, what is the the attack and the diminishing of the Western culture, which by the way, is being uh, exhibited by the irrelevance of the church, right? The light is going out from the church where it no longer engages the culture for what is correct. We're watching the West die because there's no Christian witness that undergird the truth of the West, which the West was based on the Judeo-Christian worldview. Having said that, you nailed it. And, and I wanna throw this in there and I hope you appreciate this because I'm a big fan, as you know, of your amazing film, Nefarious. When Christ is removed, then darkness comes in. And the darkness is gonna come in, according to the Bible, with such speed and with such technology that the book of Revelation tells us that there will be such control by a centralized totalitarian ruler, he's called the Antichrist in the Bible, that you will not only not be able to buy or sell anything without his prefix, which is 666, but it appears that your mobility, your, uh, your wealth, your existence is all tied to the decree of this individual and his workings. In other words, it's almost like a Hunger game scenario. We're heading back, as it were, to the dark ages, but it's gonna be highly technical. And the only hope for the West and for the world is for the church to wake up and stop playing games and to stop trying to figure out how to be liked by the culture rather than trust God, speak truth to the culture and let people respond to truth. Because the bottom line is this, we're either gonna see people acquiesce to the falsehood or people grapple and deal with the truth. It's never easy to come to the truth, yet truth is immovable. Mm -hmm. But we've got to look at ourselves and say, wait a minute, I've been wrong. I got to have a new way of thinking and this is proven truth, tried and true. And I'm, and I'm gonna believe what the Bible has to say. And so in the book, Living in the Days of Deception, I take a lot of issues that are going on in our world today uh, and I apply some biblical truth to it, no doubt about it. There's many uh, passages of scripture, but Steve, I wrote it in such a way that it's not just for the Christian, it's for everyone to hopefully get an answer that they feel like they're a little bit dazed, that they've been smacked mm -hmm. upside the head and things just don't seem right. I listened, you know, well, just to reinforce what you just said, I mean, we just lived through a scenario where every, almost every major nation on earth with a few holdouts, almost every major nation on earth instantly, like a Thanos snap, <clears throat> instantly imposed the same draconian policies on all of its people, regardless of form of government, regardless of uh, cultural, religious heritage or legacy, just immediately. I mean, it didn't matter if you lived in China, it didn't matter if you lived in the United States, Canada, England. Um, I mean, with a few, with it, Japan, with the exception of a few holdouts, everybody else in the whole world without a treaty signed, without a bullet shot, immediately beat all their swords into plowshares and just enforced one global edict 
uh, in, right. in, immediately. I mean, there there was never there's never been a point in time in human history where such a uh, where, where such a mission could be accomplished, and we just kind of lived through a beta test of it in a way. And you know that to, I, that brings me to another thing that I that I think also feeds into this because I heard a, a, a series that you did of messages on the UFO stuff last year. Yeah, and what fascinates me about this as a kid that you know from the eighties. And I remember when V came on the air, man, and that just blew people's minds. It's all we talked about at school. Okay. Everybody watched it. You know, um, if when I was growing up, if the Pentagon had come out and said that aliens are real, everything in the unit, everything in America would have stopped. Everything would have. Okay. Yeah. And what I find fascinating about this is like the only people taking seriously what the government is saying are Christians who are looking for demonic deception, which is what you talked about in your ser- in your sermon series. In a strange way to me, I think it speaks badly of where the culture is at. That even 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 elaborate, intricate demonic deceptions to us are boring. Like. We, the fact that we aren't interested in buying into the UFO deception corporately as a people, but just like, oh, whatever, man, what's not, you know, Tiger King's on Netflix. That almost in a way is, 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 that's the moment quoting from my own movie. That is the moment when Nefarious looks at James says, we didn't even come up with that. You did that all to yourselves. Like, like hell is right now attempting to give us a demonic deception, a, a, oh, a, a, a story of, of eternal salvation through alien beings. And we're all, we're so dull. We're so dead inside, Jack, that we're just like, listen, man, did you hear about uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? I got other things going on. In some respects, the fact that it's only Christians looking for a demonic deception in the broader culture is not even interested in being deceived. I'm even more worried about that, Jack, frankly, if you know what I'm trying to say. I absolutely know what you're trying to say. In fact, the Bible warns us that in the last days that it would be apathy. It would be apathy. And here's another thing that we can all bear witness to is that we have a world now that has been desensitized. Somebody can say this, do that. Somebody can be murdered while a group of people are actually writing on it. It's just not real. Mm -hmm. Or if it is, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, And so, again, all of this is forms of deception. You know, you mentioned something, Steve, that is extremely amazing. I want all of your viewers to listen to this right now. So I'm going to share with you in a second a prophecy from the Bible that's that's 2,650 years old, and the prophecy is out of the book of Daniel. And, the, and Daniel said that in the last days before Christ returns, knowledge will dramatically increase and men will travel to and fro. That's what it says in the English. In the Hebrew language of the book of Daniel, it's that knowledge will compound itself rapidly. Compound knowledge, that you're throwing knowledge on top of something, and at the same time, information will sweep the globe. Knowledge shall increase, men shall go, shall travel to and fro. It's not that men will travel in jet airplanes. It, it means that the information of man will travel around the world in nanoseconds of time. And this whole thing of deception, COVID, all the stuff that's going on now, I don't want to be a goofball Christian where, oh, there's a demon behind that thing. and a de- But we're living at a time where the propaganda, the, t- the issue, the drama was so lived out in real time 
that had engulfed the world so quickly that it had never been like this before. And get a load of this, Steve. The book of Revelation tells us that during the time of the coming tribulation period, that there will be those events taking place. And it says in Jerusalem, for example, two witnesses of God will be murdered. And it says the entire world will see them be murdered. This is from the 2000 year old document of the book of Revelation. So go figure, it's, it's an absolutely amazing time. And uh, look, really quick, G- Gavin Newsom, you talk about deception. Mm-hmm. Our governor in this state, we had physicians, we had experts from Stanford University, Dr. Atlas was one of them. This guy's renowned in the world regarding viruses. Dr. Atlas said, to California, go outside, breathe air that's sunlit, get out in the sunshine as much as possible and, and breathe in sunlit air deeply, but by all means get outside. And as soon as that was aired by that expert, Dr. Atlas, Gavin Newsom said, stay indoors and he shut down our beaches. <laughs> what in the world's going on? People didn't even stop to say, oh, I guess I guess I just maybe should rethink this. Maybe who, oh, no, no. They complied like little lambs to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's part of the deception, brother, but we got to stand strong. We got to know the truth. If you knew this Sunday was going to be your last sermon, Lord came to you and said, hey, it's been a good uh, run, Jack. Time to, you know, uh, the farewell tour is going to be one Sunday. All right. Yeah. And then we're, call, we're calling you home. Get your affairs in order. If you could use that sermon to confront one deception and correct, correct it with with one singular truth, what would that be? Well, I've never been asked that question before, and I've got the answer immediately. Thank you for asking it. It's this, that you're not good enough to save yourself. You cannot save yourself from whatever dilemmas coming, whatever, whatever's going to happen in this world or in the world to come, the number one thing that we struggle over is that we think we can redeem ourselves. You can't do it. That Jesus Christ went to the cross for a purpose. It was prophesied in scripture. Jesus went to the cross. In fact, in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus's prayer was, Father, if this cup can be removed from me, let's remove it. In other words, if man can be saved by his own goodness, let's have it done that way. But that couldn't happen. He went to the cross. Stop believing that you can get to heaven by being good. You've got to come to trust Christ who loves you. This is not religion. This is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because he's alive for crying out loud. He not only died before the Roman Empire, he died before the disciples who began to doubt that he was even who he says he was. That's how little faith they had. They caved in. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead. My message, if this was my last Sunday... It would be stop believing that you can save yourself and run to Jesus now. Bring all your garbage, all your sin, all of your mayhem. Bring it to him. He saves sinners and I am the chief of them. And that's what I would say, Steve. And I want to thank you. I've never been asked that question before. Hmm. Last question. Take as much time as you need. The deceptions in your book. What is a practical step that you could give every believer to, well, I mean, I'm sure there's numerous practical steps, but what is one in the time we have that you would give every believer to say, hey, start here 
in being a, a son of Issachar, someone, you know, someone who understands the times and what to do about them. Absolutely this. Acts 17, 11, everybody. Acts chapter 17, verse 11, Paul the Apostle said to those, he said, you guys are more uh, spiritually in tune with what I'm preaching than those in Thessalonica, where I just come from, because you guys are different. You guys test everything I, the Paul, Paul the Apostle, am preaching, you test it against the Bible. That's awesome. They didn't say, oh my gosh, it's Paul the Apostle, just believe everything he says. Paul the Apostle said, you guys are awesome because you're not believing everything I'm saying. You're testing everything that I'm saying against the Bible. That's what I would say to people today. Don't believe a word that Steve and Jack say. Test it. When you go to church on Sunday or mass or whatever, you're, whatever you do, don't believe what's being said unless it matches up to God's word. That is key. Today, we've got people going to church by the tens of thousands gathering because they want somebody to give them a motivational speech. They want somebody to tell them that they're wonderful and uh, you're good enough. There's no, don't worry about repentance. That's a negative term. Well, there is no salvation without repentance. Know the truth, dive in and stop following man. When people come to church this Sunday at our church, they come with Bibles. Carry a Bible to your church, my friends. And when you hear that pastor say, let's turn to chapter verse, turn there and read it and watch and listen and judge everything he says against the word of God. That's what I would say. That's key. Amen. Name of the book, Living in the Days of Deception, How to Discern Truth from Culture's Lies, Pastor Jack Hibbs, who's also a pretty cool dude. Good to see you again, Jack. Thank you, man. God bless you, Steve. Take care. You bet. You too. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation with Pastor Jack? Well, um, the timing of a lot of what we talked on the show is perfect. Trust the experts. See, he starts off with that. The, the, the series of sermons came out of all these uh, so-called know-it-alls coming out, and apparently they either knew nothing uh, at all, their expertise was fake, something like that. How do you get to that moment in time? Well, Jack at the end is certainly uh, on to something. If, if our church trust the experts had been producing solid fruit this whole time instead of uh, he gets us quality videos, <laughs> we, we would not have come to this level of confusion. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. We're always going through uh, various uh, cycles uh, of history, but the, the, the utter bodying out that Steve mentioned, the decadence of the, you know, just not even being titillated by the de demonic right. alien right. deception is that we, and, and Jack mentioned about, you know, what it's going to take to get serious about this, and this has everything to do with Steve said in that uh, conversation he had a while back about, do you know what a real reformation would look like? It's it because it's not just within any one uh, ch church or de de denomination that you, you guys may be nailing, but, but the, this, the simple fact that as long as we lack oneness, 
as as a faith people we are we sound like a tower of babel even on a good day to the rest of the world we are we are way too fractured as a church to even on a good day to be what the culture needs and that's why conversations like this even in this room amongst the rest of us and again two protestants and a catholic daily coming together in in, in a i think a brotherhood a fellowship a seriousness that I think is palpable to all of you, that you appreciate it. But I, 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 I think we can all agree, even, even on our best days, we aren't enough right now because I don't think we are fully serious about the level of bottoming out that, we, that has happened because of us, the church, not because of the sinners. The sinners is a timeless quality. They're always there. The status of the church, who it is, what it claims to be, that is different. You just look throughout history, throughout history, and it's abundantly clear that that's different. When that light is shining, miracles happen. When it isn't, and constantly being put in a bushel basket, and seemingly on purpose, like we're doing it now, we, we, we've got to look at, at the seriousness of the Tower of Babel that we have created. This came up a few weeks ago, but I'll put maybe a little bit more meat on the bone, is that um, I think you can draw a direct line between where we are now as a culture and society and the redefinition of one word. And that word isn't even marriage. It's the redefinition of discriminating. We redefine that word, and you can understand why, Maybe its roots were in the, the civil rights uh, march. But we redefine that word to have an exclusively negative connotation that all discrimination is bad. Now, racial discrimination just on this color of the skin alone, obviously that's terrible. But discrimination between competing uh, statements of fact, that's actually good because it then connotates discernment discernment, and wisdom. I think when we undefined or redefined that word, first in the culture and then it trickled into the churches as well, you can find a loss of critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And then from a loss of critical thinking, you go to mob rule. And then from mob rule, you get chaos, which is exactly the state of the culture we're in right now. It has everything to do, I think, with that, uh, that conversation. I love the question you asked about how, how do we know if something is just, you know, a misstatement of fact versus a deception? I thought his answer was, was fascinating as well, but it always comes down. I was asked the other day, how do you, you know, how, what's the line between um, coming off a, as uh, just a purveyor or speaker of the truth and coming off, of, uh, coming off as self-righteous? I said, and it's the same version of the answer you've given. Mm -hmm. If you're if inverse you're, of the same question, yeah. If yeah. your if your morality, if your <clears throat> ethic is coming directly from the Word of God, how in the hell can you be self righteous? Mm -hmm. Now the key then becomes that doesn't mean that every situation and every scenario you're in means you need to say to your family member who's gone astray, to your friend who's living in sin, thus saith the the Lord God of hosts, repent. That doesn't mean that you do that in every situation. But this is a fundamentally individual um, 
issue that every person, every believer, must take up on them uh, on their own. Let the Holy Spirit work within you. That's where discernment, true discernment, comes from. And um, at the end of the day, that is lacking. And if it's lacking in our church, well, it's absent else, everywhere else. And that's where I, why we are where we are right now. Let me also say, as someone who has been to Chino Hills Calvary Chapel twice, just to worship. Uh, the first time we were out there was to host an event for Nefarious, but Amy and I went earlier in the day just to go to church. And then we went to church there the Sunday um, before the Rose Bowl, while we were out there for the Rose Bowl, too. We made a 45-minute drive from our hotel to his uh, church just to go worship there. It is what I love the most about that ministry is it has all of the bells and whistles that modern evangelicalism says are required in order to reach contemporary culture. It has them all. But it, it, it doesn't have them at the expense of the truth of the gospel. I mean, what you guys heard in that interview, I've been there on two separate Sundays, four months apart. And pretty much what you heard in this interview is what they hear every Sunday. And they, and they love him for it. And they pack the place to the gills, man. They pack the place to the gills. And they love him for it. And he confronts him every Sunday. Now, you can tell from Jack, he's got, a, he's got a more of a California cool disposition than I have. But make no mistake, if you're sitting in that church, you're getting confronted on something every Sunday. I've been there twice. Seen with my own eyes. And that's what I love about what they do there. Is, is, is they, they acknowledge modernity, but not at the expense of the gospel. Because that's the false choice we've been often given in this era is to be modern and contemporary means that Jesus needs a rebrand. There's no rebranding of Jesus at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Nobody's getting rebranded. But it's modern. It's contemporary. And I love the fact that they blow up that false choice. All right, we'll come back. Pop Culture Tuesday's next. When you absolutely, positively have to sell a home, and you know what I think is going to happen, is this year, this spring and summer, we're sitting on such a glut of, of inventory right now. And yeah, I know interest rates still suck and the economy is still sluggish at best, but you, you can only sit on that kind of glut of homes for what's it been now, two, three years in a row, eventually. People are just out of necessity going to start buying and selling. And I think that could very well happen. Just in time for the election, of course. Look, the housing market has come back. If I am right, then you definitely have a need for a competent, trustworthy, real estate agent. And what if I told you you could find one from likely right here in this audience? Because many of the agents at Real Estate Agents I Trust are people who subscribe or listen or watch the blaze just like you so you've got a common value system as well um, we don't let them in unless they're top sellers they're proven to be among the best in their area they know the lay of the land the best practices to get you to where you want to go whether that is just down the street or you got to move across the country 
Um, check them out today. Realestateagentsitrust.com. The name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Okay. Pop Culture Tuesday. The backlash by certain, well, very hardcore MAGA elements of conservative, of righty Twitter. I mean, I saw people posting about, people with huge accounts posting about Trump has psyched out Travis Kelsey. Didn't Travis Kelsey have 10 catches in the second half and basically carry the Chiefs in the game? Yep. Pretty much. But, I mean, it was very clear some edict went out in MAGA world leading up to the Super Bowl to begin a grievance campaign or they all were just simultaneously grieved and offended by it at once. That could be true too. Um, against the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift romance. Well, over the weekend I saw that, that, that many sector or some sectors of non MAGA righty Twitter were coming out and saying, Hey, come on, man. Now they were producing a backlash against the backlash. Hey, this is this is how we lose elections. We take ourselves out of the mainstream. We pick absolutely. Hey, this isn't a real culture war front. Okay, you know this isn't going to the legislature like you and I, all three of us did yesterday. You know, on the tranny stuff. This is just a, a petty grievance that will do nothing, nothing other than alienate a bunch of people that against voting for us because we'll just brand ourselves as weirdos. So I got to ask. If you had to, and I believe me, I hate myself for even discussing this, but I'm curious, all right? And I, I don't find, frankly, any of this serious, and I don't think anybody is voting on November the 5th, seven, six, seven months from now, on that uh, Jack Posobiec lost his mind on Twitter over Kelsey and Swift or that um, the uh, the gal at uh, gays for Gro- gays against groomers, who really liked Nefarious, by the way, so thank you for that, was out there, you know, clamoring that hey, what are we doing here, picking picking petty fights? I, I don't think that'll ha- either one of those takes. I don't think will have any bearing on the on the outcome of the election in seven months. Okay, but I but I did find the conversation interesting, even if the whole, con- I mean, I, I just. There's been plenty of, as I've pointed out before, plenty of romances between famous people in the sports and entertainment uh, industries. I don't know why this one is so unique, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with Travis Kelsey being Mr. Pfizer. I think it's more about that than anything else, probably. But what do you guys think? If you had to choose a tribe, if you had to, all right, where, where your sympathies and inclinations would more likely lie, would it be the uh, Kelsey Swift psyop? Allegedly, uh, that's a Democrat to you know, get out the vote effort or the backlash against the backlash. This is just all a silly fight. This isn't, you know, Colin Kaepernick putting, uh, you know, uh, uh, cops or pigs on his shoes and, and kneeling to the, na- the, the, na- the anthem. This is just a frivolous celebrity crush. What the hell are we doing here? Where are you guys at? So, as I've said before, back in September and October of last year, I was totally in on the PSYOP. I said this was just a CIA operation to make sure the Romans are extra breaded and circusy. But if everybody knows it's a PSYOP, is it a PSYOP? That's so. Yeah. If everything is a PSYOP, that must that mean that almost nothing, nothing is, is yeah. right? Yeah. So, 
So there's that. So now I'm in the category of this is just a another uh, another celebrity relationship that we're watching here. I think probably the idea that this is going to have some big impact on the election is overblown. But I will say the degree to which it does have an impact, it's probably not healthy or helpful, I should say, to blow this up if you're if you're a part of a MAGA uh, influencer network. You know, what's what's the main demographic that you're hurting with? It's the type of people who go to Taylor Swift concerts. Here's what I really think is suburban women, in other words, suburban women. So this is not helpful to the degree that it actually has any impact. It's not helpful. This is from Peachy Keenan on Twitter. Probably the most hilarious and perhaps accurate um, depiction of what's actually going on between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Taylor's slumming it with this 95 IQ beefcake, but at 34, that belly is screaming for a baby and well, he's her last chopper out of nom. People are saying it's (laughs) fake. She's a lesbian. You don't take a 12-hour plane flight on no sleep to see your beard. That's what I think is going on. All right. I mean, he is a huge departure from the typical guys that she's dated in the past. Huge departure. All right, can I ask you a follow-up question? And I'm sure. not trying to trap you, okay? I'm not, I just want to say that as a disclaimer. I'm not, I promise. Because you and I were even talking during the break that when we, when we just study eschatology as a standalone hermeneutic, we have a tendency to favor more of the, the post-mill kind of a view. Mm-hmm. But, but it's hard to deny that the things the pre-mills have been warning about do seem to be occurring and more uh, 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 more possible than ever before, right? Yes. Okay. So with with that as a backdrop, at the height of this frenzy, your team lost what four out of six games or something mm-hmm. like that, and and there was some thought maybe, you know, you're always going to win that division. It didn't turn out to be as good as people thought it was going to be, but I mean, there was some some thought that you guys were kind of a playoff also rant, right? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that you were more sympathetic to the argument that it was a psyop when it seemed to be a distraction for your team and the team wasn't playing well and maybe she seemed to be a bad influence. And now that you've won the Super Bowl, maybe now it can, the whole thing seems kind of silly and overblown. Um, you can you can believe what you want. I'll just tell you, you can take my word or not. It has nothing to do with what they were doing okay. on, the, on the field. Okay. Nothing at all. The laws of emotional hedges. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I'm only, and one of the reasons I'm asking you that, because I'm completely culpable, uh, capable of, 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 of that kind of analysis, completely. I'm, I, I, when, especially when it comes to sports, I'm completely capable of giving analysis on the basis of, is my favorite team shattered my soul or not? <laughs> okay. So I'm projecting that, that is, maybe you are too. I'm not. That is right? the closest yeah, you'll not. ever get to Steve actually saying, when it comes to sports, I abandon all reason. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Todd, so Aaron's on team backlash against the backlash. That's the team you're kind of on. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick one, yeah. Our official show position is we don't want to be on any of these teams. This is just you know stupid, stupid, and no one's going to care about this on election day seven months from now. But if we had to pick one, Aaron says I'd pick backlash against backlash. Todd, if you had to pick one, which one would you pick? So would I, but my reasons and analysis come from a different fundamental place, and I've alluded to this before, but it. it the, the reason why so many people uh, within every other world 
then the sports world are analyzing this from their world with equal gravity they do to everything else on a different basis is because of how shallow all of those other places they can't differentiate anymore one generation ago not even like with, with j-lo you don't yeah this is going on but um this is a baseball game and it's our timeout and we revel in this but then we go over here and yes maybe but we do grown-ups and we're doing stuff we can't we can't do that anymore we are so shallow at every aspect of what we do these days that we view this as a departure onto our main playing field and not a, a, a uh, not a departure excuse me the opposite an infringement on our main playing field so we're we're seeing this is this is the way we do politics all the time mm -hmm. now and so we, this is taylor it's just the same thing all the sports bros it's so shallow what you do almost all the time that when you see this it's why you keep talking about it all the time not because it's the opposite of it it's a lot that's a lie you tell yourself it's the same thing that's why this isn't it's not really about it's not I, i'm not about oh just they're just two kids in love leave them alone i'm not about that at all this is about us we when we're talking we're going to go talk about the budget we're going to talk about the border we're going to talk about the church we're going to talk about anything and it almost always has no more substance than what we've talked about with taylor swift and travis kelsey and that's why it all seems so gravitational it's just another day that ends in why of what we do all the time if we were a serious people we would this would have just been it, it would have been the exact same on their end but it would have been way different on our end our overton window is an absolute joke that's the problem all right i have a question to ask to close out this conversation in a moment okay uh, first, I want to tell you about Beam Dream Powder. If you're having trouble uh, getting to sleep or uh, staying asleep, uh, if it's negatively impacting your life, uh, maybe you've tried other sleep supplements with no success. Uh, sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health. Whether And when you are sleeping well, you can perform at your best, both mentally and physically as a result. So proper sleep can improve your focus, boost energy, improve your mood. That's why we want to recommend uh, Beam's Dream Powder. It's a science-backed, healthy hot cocoa for sleep um and uh, today you want to give it a shot you get a special discount on beams dream powder you can get a special discount today uh and it's a healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar and it's never tasted better so beam dream easy to add to your nighttime routine just mix dream into hot water or milk froth and enjoy before bed find out why major national publications are saying hey uh beam is legit and why it's trusted by some of the top athletes and business professionals in the country as well. If you want to try Beam's best-selling Dream Powder, get up to 40% off uh, for a limited time when you go to ShopBeam, B-E-A-M, like LaserBeam, ShopBeam.com slash Steve. ShopBeam.com slash Steve. Use the code Steve at checkout for 40% off. Code Steve at checkout for 40% off at ShopBeam.com slash Steve.
All right. Final question on this. Do Swift and Kelsey get married this year? What are you doing? Just bear with me. (laughs) And as a follow-up, if they do, does Joe Biden get invited and attend that wedding? See, now you had to wait. No. Okay. Because that would be a highly politicized event. Highly. And wouldn't that kind of give you your answer about whether this has been a PSYOP all along or not? Mm. Maybe. Uh, I don't think they get married this year. No? No. If they did, do you think the president would be invited and would he go? Hmm. Sure. Why not? I think he would be invited. He would go. And they would play it off as it's a troll of all of you who are claiming this is a PSYOP all along. See what I'm saying? To try to, again, you guys are irrelevant out of, you know, knuckle draggers out of the mainstream. No one, this is why nobody likes you. That's what I think would happen. Todd, what do you think? This is the most Kobayashi Maru question you've ever (laughs) asked. I can't win. There's nothing I can say or do that I won't be utterly ashamed of. In that case, would that be like the most pivotal event of the election if that were to happen? Like if they got married like after Labor Day and the president is there and they make the whole thing. I mean, didn't he try doing that this weekend, right? Put out some kind of tweet or something, you know, just as we planned it with the Chiefs winning, right? Something like that. And they made this entire thing about, see, you guys are idiots. No one wants to be around you. Okay. This is you guys are just not the you're not the cool kids, and the, oh, this the, is this is why you guys lose okay. all the time. Here's the only way that's the most pivotal event. If it goes the opposite, what we think. If if, if that's finally like everybody is just like, we're not this stupid, are we? No. That's how the only way would be pivotal. We had 15 moments for that opportunity. Well, you never know when it's like the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. That would be. Because what that's is, just stupid. That's what I'm saying. It, for that to be the most important in the way direction you're talking about is what I'm saying. Everything has become so shallow that our Overton window would say, yeah, well, I think that's right. That's true. That, that, this is, this, this, dude, this is, dude, this you is I, what You and I watched plan- a guy win the presidency partly because he played the sax on Arsenio Hall. Okay. Um, what is more likely to happen this year? A debate between Trump and Biden or Biden attending the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey wedding. Well, What's more I likely think, to happen? A debate. I don't think so. I, I think don't think it, so. I think the wedding. Like the I chances of the don't. debate are negative integers. I think uh, chances of wedding are even lower okay. negative integers. But that's not. You, you mean, mean like both candidates? So this is like both candidates unfavorables. They're both underwater. One's minus 20, one's minus mm-hmm. 20. <laughs> Todd, you agree with me? It's much more likely Biden's at a Kelsey Swift marriage or wedding than there's a than Biden is at a debate yes. with Trump this year. I I, I absolutely think there's a better chance. I now do. it might it might be one percent and zero. Okay, they, so yeah. the odds might not be great on either one, but w- but I absolutely believe there's better this, odds of a Kelsey Swift the, wedding that the this president. This conversation is a sign that tomorrow we should start doing what you always said we might end up doing and just talk about theology all the time. Because just if, go J. Vernon McGee. If this matters... Start it with Genesis 1. At this yep. level, we're nonsense. 
Yeah. Todd, the first contest of what I said for a year really might be the most important election of my lifetime. And and 14% of Iowa Republicans showed up. 14%. Okay. We are this shallow. We are. Romans 828. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.